Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The Bears Talk Underground is brought to you by our friends at Bet Bet BetOnline knows you might not be able to get out to a game this year, but you can still get in on the action at BetOnline. BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on everything imaginable this season. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. Head on over to BetOnline today and use promo code ARMCHAIR to take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. <laughs> well, gobble, 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 bitches. Happy Thanksgiving. From Larry D and the Bears Talk Underground. And, uh, you know, I don't know. We're, uh, I hope you guys are enjoying uh, your holiday or you have already enjoyed it. And this is how you're winding down. And uh hope you had a belly full of food and, a, you know, a, a, a gathering. Or, you know, some people are playing it safe uh, this year. Whatever you did, I hope you're enjoying yourself. Um, I hope you stayed safe and uh, you, you're, you're, you're having a good time uh, with the holiday. Um, <laughs> I enjoyed talking to Evan Western and having him on the show. Uh, despite his unfortunate allegiance to the Green Bay Packers, I happen to like Evan very much and enjoy having him on uh, the show. He is the anti-Packer fan, in my opinion, because my upfront and personal uh, interaction with Packer fans is determined that most of them are arrogant dickheads and um, you know they are a bane and a stain on society uh, but Evan is one of the good ones uh, and the funny thing is he says the same thing about me like when I tag him on this episode go on Twitter find him at at Tex Western uh, on Twitter and and see like you know Larry is one of the good bear fans he doesn't suck so enjoy our conversation is probably how he'll quote tweet that or or something like that but you know I, I I've been saying it for for weeks so we, we talked about a lot with Lauren Cox last week about how this is a game I'm not really looking forward to it has this ominous bears coming off of the bye in 2014 under Tressman where we're down 42 to nothing at halftime and lose the game 55 to 14 a game we had two weeks to get ready for and this is how we showed up for it it has that kind of a vibe to it now I know that our defense is much better than the one we put on the field that night uh, against Aaron Rodgers but um, it doesn't make me feel any better about what's coming uh, on Sunday we've seen this go bad so many times especially against this quarterback plus this team is coming off a loss where they probably feel like they should have won the game so they might be uh in a vengeful kind of mode uh and and looking to uh you know knock us kick us while we're down on this one four game losing streak we'll happily pile on uh to that uh if we let them so hopefully matt Nagy will be able to get us ready uh, which he hasn't done yet as head coach of the Bears. We're 0-2 coming off of the uh, bye weeks 
uh, under him. Hopefully, we'll be ready to uh, to to show up. And he and and Bill Lazor have done some self scouting with the offense, and they figured out where they've been going wrong, and and uh, they'll be able to put something together to at least make it competitive, and uh, you know make me regret the talking about doom and disaster for the last two weeks, or I'll just come back on the show uh, on uh, on Monday and talk about how it was a genius that. Uh, you know, I was talking about all these things. I, w- I was tricking the football gods into letting us win this one. So maybe my bold strategy will work and I'll be a genius or I'll just be right. And, uh, you know, <laughs> I was right to, to expect the worst because it took place uh, on Sunday night. So I don't know. The game is, uh, the game is coming, whether we want it to uh, or not. So we have to play this game. We don't know who, who, I mean, I'm recording this on Tuesday night. And, um, so we don't know anything about the injuries. Who's, uh, who's starting or who are starting quarterbacks going to be. Will Foles be ready to go? Will it be Mitch? Will it be Mitch regardless uh, of, of Foles' health, uh, status? Will it be Tyler Bray and, and, you know, backing him up Kyle Slaughter off the practice squad, uh, and things like that? Who, who knows? Honestly, who's our offensive line, uh, going to be? Hopefully I'll have better answers for you tomorrow on Friday when the Bears have got a few days of practice under their belts and, and you know, we'll see what the, who's, who's on the injury report, will David Montgomery come back, uh, and so on. So I have a lot more answers for you, I hope, uh, tomorrow on the, on the Friday deep dive preview uh, show to, uh, to, to kind of give us a better idea of what we're looking at uh, on Sunday night. I mean, this could kind of work to the Bears' advantage that, uh, you know, no one really knows who's going to play uh, for the Bears uh, on Sunday. And, uh, you know, I don't know. But it's it's only going to be a surprise for so long because we've got the same guys uh, on the team. Maybe we'll see Eric Cush uh, get out there and boot Rashad Coward's ass back to the sidelines where he belongs and, um, you know, see what we can do uh, offensively and maybe uh, maybe surprise the Packers, you know, get them looking ahead to, uh, to whatever we have, uh, whatever they have after us. And, uh, you know, catch them with their pants down and, and, and steal a win uh, from them when, when we need it uh, so, so badly. So anyway, enjoy the conversation. Myself and Evan Weston previewing this game uh, between the Bears and the Packers week number 12 on Sunday Night Football. Week number 12 has our beloved returning to work after a much-needed bye. The first 10 weeks, an arduous journey, uh, starting off 4-1, and one, finishing 1-4, one and four, to be at 500 going into this game uh, against the Green Bay Packers. We head up to Lambeau on national television to take on the Packers, who are probably an angry bunch after that uh, loss to Indianapolis on Sunday and and here to talk me off the ledge and tell me that it's not going to be an utter balls up disaster for the bears. Our good friend from Acme packing company, Evan Western, Evan, welcome back to the show, man. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. It's always a pleasure to be back. And, uh, it always kind of feels right when, uh, when the Packers and bears meet around mid season, um, in some sort of, uh, primetime game although i suppose most of the time that ends up happening at lambo instead of soldier field so i know that's been a uh, a sore subject for for a few years until until last season you know honestly it's 
Yeah, it, it's not really a sore subject for me. I yeah. mean, especially since we finally had that week one of last year, the national TV, you know, the kickoff and all that kind of stuff, despite how the game itself turned out, which obviously was not favorable for the Bears. But, you know, it, it almost felt weird for Bears-Packers yeah. to play at night in Chicago. You know, like it, it, it just actually feels, uh, you know, I hate to say it, it feels right for Bears-Packers to be at night in Lambeau more than it does mm -hmm. uh, in Soldier Field. You know, it felt strange, actually, for them to be at night. You know, like Bears-Packers, that's that's Sunday, that's noon, that's in the elements, that's outdoors, that's that's Bears-Packers, you know. Um, if it's if it's under the lights, it's got to be at uh, it got to be at Lambo. So uh, I don't really have a gripe with it. With it always being uh, at Lambo, it's just the you know, and I don't think the NFL has a problem with it either, especially since that's what keeps happening. Yep. So yeah, and it's interesting. I uh, they just uh, announced the the time for the Packers um, Week 15 game, which is uh, against Carolina at Lambo, and that was they made that one on Saturday night game. Um, so now every one of the four Lambo games down the stretch in these last six weeks are uh, there's three night games and a four or a three twenty five start. So um, yeah, they're they're certainly trying to get the Packers in uh, in prime time as much as possible here down the stretch. So obviously starting on Sunday. So Evan, according to the standings, the Packers are seven and three and the Bears are five and five you got a two-game lead on us um but if you've been watching the bears play um i would say that you've got about a four or a five game lead <laughs> on the bears as far as like where you guys are and where we are um and it's obviously it's because of our offense uh, i'm sure if you had a chance to watch us play you would wonder why the football gods would put a you know a double digit win defense and saddle them with a double digit loss offense yep. just watch them cancel each other out uh throughout a 16 game season but that is the hell that is my life uh evan <laughs> yeah they, uh, each and every sunday uh, it, it is a gut-wrenching you know test of wills to watch the bears <laughs> play sometimes yeah the, you just can't have nice things all around at, at any right. point it seems like at this point right <laughs> so it's it's almost a little bit of i mean a little bit of the reverse of of what packers fans have been dealing with just on a on a more painful basis for for you guys um, the Packers having generally had pretty good offenses and pretty bad, but not, you know, exceptionally, horribly, terrifyingly bad defenses. Um, right. and, and that's kind of what, what it's been this year to an extent. Um, I mean, the Packers have one of the best offenses in the NFL and a lot of that credit has to go to Matt LaFleur in his second year because he really didn't get a whole lot of new personnel, new receivers or anything like that to um, to really boost that passing game. It has been all through uh, internal development and and really guys like you know Aaron Rodgers buying into the scheme. And that has been pretty much the source of, of all the improvement here this season. I mean, Rodgers is playing back to um, at least his numbers will tell you he's back near peak Rogers level from his MVP years. Um, I think depending on the game, the eye test might say something a little different, but um, certainly he's, he's back to, to being efficient and consistently eight or nine yards per attempt nowadays. So, um, but there's still areas for concern on defense and this team has been really subject to big momentum swings. So in a couple of their big losses, Things have gone wrong, and they've gone wrong quickly. And I think that's if you're going to beat Green Bay, that's the recipe that you need to try to follow: is get a timely turnover or two, 
and kind of flip the script on them. And it seems like they can get shell-shocked a little bit if things all of a sudden um, go south on them. I mean, that's, you know, the the little that I've seen. I mean, I've, and I've seen plenty of, actually, of the, of the Packers because the Bears have played a, you know, kind of an offbeat schedule this year, three o'clock games here, Thursday night there, two, two Monday night games uh, this year. So if, when I, I live in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, so whenever the Bears aren't playing, I'm getting the Packers no matter what. So, um, you know, I've get and, – and the Packers have also – it also seems like if the Bears play at noon, the Packers play at three, that yep. kind of thing. So yeah. I've had plenty of opportunity to watch the Packers play this year, and, and I would think that the, the most shocking – game that I saw was probably the, the coming off the bye losing that that Tampa Bay game yeah you know it's like they were coming off of losing to us uh the previous week and then to come in and you guys were undefeated uh you know racking up the points you know 43 week one 42 week two 37 oh on the Saints and then 30 over over Atlanta just making it look easy like you were just gonna set a record for points in a season uh kind of thing and then you you managed 10 points against Tampa Bay Rogers throws his like first legit pick six and God knows how long uh, in that in that <laughs> yeah. game I mean I because mean, we you know we, we talked about this a few times when you've been on the show it's like Rogers had you know X amount of interceptions and out of those X amount of interceptions 80 percent of them were tipped by by the receiver mm-hmm. it was intended for <laughs> and it bounced into a defender's hands it's been a long time since Rogers threw and like oh shit interception yeah. you know kind of thing so it's just like to to see that happen and for it to look like oh man the the DB just beat him flat out yep. on that one and just stepped in front of it and ran it back that was that was an odd thing to see from Aaron Rodgers yeah and and granted he's only thrown four picks this year but all four of them have been Rogers unforced errors not not tipped balls mm. not mistakes by the receiver um right you know both of them to Tampa I, I guess the second one in that Tampa game you could maybe argue was was a little iffy because um I, I would argue that I think that one was intended for Devontae Adams I think he was getting held and, and wasn't able to um to get his hands on the football properly and and it kind of doinked off him a little bit so I guess maybe one of those four but you know he's had one each in in the last two weeks against Jacksonville and Indy, and both of those were um, particularly unusual picks for for Rodgers. They were both kind of underthrown, and the the corners jumped the routes, and that's not something that you're used to seeing out of him. So, um, right. and in that Tampa game, I mean, that was when everything really went south. The offense wasn't crisp early in that game, but they jumped out to a ten nothing lead on Tampa in the first quarter, and then yeah. boom, there's the pick six. So you're sitting at ten seven. Boom! In the next series, he throws that that second pick, and you know Tampa goes down, scores right away, and in the blink of an eye, you go from being up ten nothing to, to down fourteen ten, and that's kind of what I mean about you know this team getting shell shocked a little bit. They just it looked like they, you know, were completely thrown out of their element and had no no idea how to respond. And um, yeah, I'm sure we'll talk about the Colts game a little bit more, but but that sort of happened again in the third quarter uh, on Sunday in Indianapolis again as well. Yeah, I, I didn't watch much of the – I saw the end of it, like the last half of the fourth quarter mm-hmm. and, and into overtime. I was actually traveling from Cedar Rapids here to Indiana where my dad is for the holiday, so I missed most of the, uh, missed most of the game. And, um, you know, the part that I was watching, like when I first walked in, my dad's like, oh, Green Bay is handing Indianapolis their ass. It's 21-7 to or 21-3, to whatever it was. Yep early on and then the next time that the next time I checked in on the game was a little bit later on and it was 
I think, 28 to 24 or something like that. And I was like, oh, and he's making a, making a run at this thing. So I go back in, and then I, you know, I watch the rest of the uh, – watch the rest of the game and it's not like Indianapolis didn't give you guys every opportunity to win because <laughs> yeah. they set a record for holding penalties on consecutive plays <laughs> or it just seemed like the referees were just you know now oh, we're just gonna throw a flag here and and honestly I take that back they were legit yep. holding penalties going back yep. and looking at it you know and I just thought like it I just figured that the lion the the Colts were tired Mm-hmm. You know, like they're just getting beat across the face and every single one of them. That's what was going on. The The Packers were slanting across their faces and, you know, they didn't get their head out in front. So they, they got to hang on somehow. Right. And uh, they got caught every single time. I mean, Indy wins in overtime if they don't hold on that Jonathan Taylor touchdown. Yeah. So, um, you know, it got called back. It goes to overtime uh, and everything else. So it was it was a crazy finish, too. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, I mean, that that second half, I mean, the Packers go into halftime up 28-14, give up a quick touchdown on the first drive of this half, and then the offense goes three and out on two straight drives. Um, Both drives of which they had third and fairly short. I think it was a third and four and a third and one. And it's it's funny because it feels like third down play calling has been a little weird for the Packers at times this year that that just things just don't seem to click right at certain situations and for also for some reason they just refuse to run Rodgers on a quarterback sneak which is I mean if you're at you know inches to go to to get the first down that's like a 90 percent effectiveness play and it drives me absolutely insane that they just won't just won't run Rodgers on a sneak so that's a whole different gripe but um, but yeah, they go, they go three and out twice. Indy scores again. Um, and then, uh, their backup kickoff returner, Darius Shepard fumbles on the next kickoff. And so I think there was one, one point yeah. where from the beginning of the second half to early in the fourth quarter, Indy had 35 offensive plays to the Packers six. And the score went from 28, 14 Packers to 31, 28 Colts. So that's, yeah. that's not, <laughs> I mean that's 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 kind of what I mean about things snowballing and just getting out of hand and not really having a response. Now, you know, to to Green Bay's credit, they were able to put together a a nice drive right at the end of regulation to tie it and send it to OT. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, obviously, Marquez Valdez Scantling with the fumble in overtime. Um, you know, he took a lot of heat for that. But the Packers aren't in in that game uh, late unless he has a couple of tremendous plays. Um, he's the one who had, who had about a 50-yard bomb from the Packers' own 10, I think, on that last drive to set up the, the tying yeah, yeah. field goal. Uh, he drew a huge 50-yard pass interference penalty at the end of the first half, too, to set up the, the touchdown right at the end of the second quarter. So, I mean, he's he's been good the last couple of weeks, and, and it just was an unfortunate play there. Um, so, I, I mean, I wouldn't expect anything from that from him going forward. Um, with, with any issues there, but yeah, it was, it was honestly, it was a result that I expected. I figured it was going to be a close game and Indy was going to find a way to win, but you know, it's one of those where they looked so good in the first half and then to blow a 14 point lead and lose the way they did. That's, that's why Packers fans are so frustrated right now because, um, you know, it looked like a game that they should have had in the bag and just everything fell apart in the third quarter. Talk to me about the Minnesota uh, game because yeah. that one just <laughs> seems like that was where you know Dalvin Cook was went bananas yep. uh, on you guys and it just seemed like you know Minnesota got out in front early and you, you just weren't able to catch them. 
Weird stuff in that game. Um, that was that that Sunday where all across the Midwest there were some crazy windstorms and and just insane weather all over the place. And the Packers seemed like they wanted to come into that game and just run the ball nonstop, take it out of Rogers' hands, and um, really try to control the clock. And that's a really weird strategy to take when you have a guy like Rogers, um, especially because his his ball seems to cut through the wind pretty well. So yeah. it, that that didn't make a whole lot of sense to me to to go that way from a game planning perspective, and to do it against a Minnesota team that's also content to shorten the game, you know, run the ball with Cook as much as possible, um, and and rely rely on their defense a little bit. So, um, yeah, it was it was very strange, and and we kind of saw a little bit of the same issues pop up again two weeks later against Jacksonville, where it was another windy kind of crappy weather day. And the Packers offense just didn't look like the the machine that it has been in other, you know, other games early in the season or, you know, in, in some of the other games here in, in the, this, the middle part of the schedule. So, you know, personally, as a Packers fan, I'm really hoping that, you know, conditions are, are nice and clear, no wind, no, no precipitation or anything on Sunday night so that, uh, you know, Lafleur hopefully feels like he can use his entire playbook because you know that's one area where I would have concern is if things get a little little dicey on the weather front. Um, I'm just concerned that you know Lafleur's going to go super conservative again, and it burned him against Minnesota, and it almost burned Jacksonville of all teams two weeks ago. Yeah, I don't know what to expect uh, from the Bears on Sunday, and, and and I mean that in all seriousness. We I don't know yet. I mean, we're we're talking on Tuesday. Uh, I don't you know the Bears are are off today, or are they haven't returned to practice yet. Um, so we don't know the state of Akeem Hicks, whether or not he's going to be healthy enough to play. He had that hamstring injury, which is when Dalvin Cook really went off uh, against the Bears. He had like 14 carries for 39 yards before Akeem Hicks left the game. And after Akeem Hicks left, he finished the game with 96 yards total. So he racked up almost 60 yards rushing after Akeem Hicks left the uh, game. It ended up being a huge factor in how Minnesota was able to pull off the uh, win. We don't know who our quarterback is because we don't know if either of them is healthy enough to play. We're staring down the barrel of a Tyler Bray uh, start with Kyle Slaughter backing him up. Um, yeah, it's good times. Um, I still don't know what's going on with um, David Montgomery uh, and whether or not he's going to be able to play. We don't know who our offensive line uh, is going to be. Is Jason Spriggs going to be healthy enough to start? Uh, does that mean that Rashad Coward will somehow find another spot on the offensive line? Um, God help me if that happens, Evan. I swear to holy Christ, if <laughs> Rashad Coward is on the field on Sunday night, I'm going to lose my mind. Well, okay. I'll tell you, you, you mentioned a former Packer there in Jason Spriggs that I think most yeah. Packers fans would be more than happy to see in the starting lineup against uh, against this Packers front seven because um, – yeah, he didn't exactly light the light the world on fire in Green Bay. He was, uh, right. yeah, had had some struggles there. So if if Coward is uh, the the less appealing of the two options for you guys, yikes! <laughs> that's how. That's yeah. <laughs> that's it. Bobby Massey is out for I think six to eight weeks with a okay. an injury he suffered against the Saints, and that was only three weeks ago. So we still got a ways to go uh, with him uh, on that one. Um, 
Did I also uh, see that Eddie Jackson landed on the COVID list today? Yes, thank you. I was just about to say oh, that. Man. So Eddie Jackson, he's on the COVID list, but we don't know if it's because he has COVID or if he came in close contact with someone, so he has to quarantine for a few days and pass some COVID tests before he can come back. So I haven't heard yet. Uh, I t- honestly, I haven't been keeping up so far uh, this week, to be honest with you, but it's only Tuesday so yeah. uh, when we're recording this. So I'll, I'll know a lot more by the time that we actually put this thing out on Thursday. So uh, happy Thanksgiving, Evan, just to <laughs> put that out there. Yeah. Um, but, you, you know, it's, it's completely up in the air. We have no idea who's playing where, or, or and that's just on the offensive side. And Akeem Hicks is the one concern on defense, obviously, with, with Eddie Jackson uh, as well. So it's just like I don't know what to expect other than what I've seen up to this point with what the Bears have been you know, stapling and supergluing together and putting it out on the field the last, uh, the last few weeks. And it hasn't been uh, pretty, like, at all. So... Yeah. Um, you know, and, and like I said, you guys coming off that that tough, tough loss to Indy, it was a road loss and you had your chances uh, to win the game. And it just always kind of seems that when something like that happens and then the Bears are next up on the schedule, you fix everything against Chicago <laughs> and it doesn't end well for us. And so I was like, and I hate to be Mr. Glass half empty uh, over here, but it's just, you know. Them's the facts, man. That's how yeah. it goes down uh, uh, most times, you know. And I, I, on offense, I don't have really anything positive to say than the fact that we can put one on the field outside of that. I got nothing, <laughs> man. Uh, I got nothing. So, yeah. I mean, help me out here. Um, well, I can't help you out with injuries because the Packers are actually getting healthy. Um, so they got both, both starting corners back last week. Jair Alexander was coming off a concussion. Kevin King had a quad injury that kept him out five games, but they both came back and played every snap on, uh, on Sunday. Um, offense, we don't know what's going on with, uh, our third string running back and kick returner, Tyler Irvin. So, but yeah, this is honestly, this is about as healthy as this team has been all year. Alan Lazard just came back last week um, and, and played for the first time since week three. So um, every every game that uh, the Packers have had most of their full complements of, of weapons, they've managed to, to find a way to put up 30 points or more. And I, I don't I don't expect that against the Bears defense. I mean, regardless of how good the, the Packers offense has been, um, you know, this Bears D is is you know, right up there with, uh, with, with Tampa, with Indy, with, with the elite units in, in the NFL with Pittsburgh. I mean, um, I think they're right in that tier now, you know, the, the Packers in the first half did a number on, on the Colts. So there's, there's certainly some, uh, some opportunities there, but we'll see, uh, we'll see what happens. I, I, I do think that, um, there's been some, some shade thrown, uh, by Matt Lafleur at defensive coordinator Mike Pettin. So uh, really? there's some there's some schematic things that I think the Packers are are really um, struggling with, especially like in third and long situations. There were multiple instances against Indy, and and it's happened all year where you know it's third and ten, third and twelve, and the corners on the outside are playing 15 yards off. And they're just giving, you know, they're giving a cushion well beyond the sticks. And you know, Lafleur said it on Monday, like that's not acceptable. You can't do that, especially in the NFL. But um, I'll be shocked if Mike Pettin is around next year, regardless of of what happens. You know, short of a 
short of a Lombardi trophy this year for the Packers, there's no way I see him coming back. Um, but you know, there's talent on this defense. That's the crazy thing is that there's, there's a lot of good individual players. It's just the, the sum is less than, or, or the whole is less than the sum of its parts, which is right. really frustrating. And, and I think that speaks to coaching, um, pretty much exclusively. Well, I mean, I, you know, you, you mentioned it. It was like the defense is the one thing that has been uh, going right. It's like even with, you know, we lost Ray Robertson Harris uh, for the year to a shoulder injury a, a while back. We uh, we miss Eddie Goldman, who who opted out mm-hmm. uh, for COVID uh, this year. And, you know, early on we were getting beat up pretty good on the run. But we I think we've kind of found our legs uh, with that. Uh, you know, speaking of legs, Daniel Trevathan looked like he aged overnight uh, this season, <laughs> yeah. but he has come back uh, into his own. He's played really well the last few weeks, so I think everyone was talking about him like maybe he was playing, you know, hurt or something. I mean, obviously it wasn't showing up on the, um, you know, actually injury, injury report, but it, he really looked like he'd lost a step anytime a tight end was coming across the field on a passing route. He catch a pass, and who's chasing him in coverage? But number fifty nine, you know, at least two or three steps behind him. You know, you mentioned third and long being a situation. We got beat up pretty good on third and long, you know, in the in the first quarter or so uh, of the year, and it was Trevathan that was just trailing behind tight ends and you know and and slot receivers, and while they were coming across the field, he just you know couldn't get there and was you know ends up chasing them in third and eleven. They get a seventeen yard gain almost every time. Uh, kind of thing but um, he's looking much better Uh, we're playing much better against the the run and it just seems like we're able to like Jay Rogers our defensive line coach the guy's a genius anybody that the Bears give him to play defensive line like a a Brent Urban who was a reject from the Titans Mm -hmm. last year has been a solid contributor uh, for us this year Um, Mike uh, McCullers that uh, we signed off of uh, the practice squad for have you seen this guy McCullough. I don't think so. No. He's 6'8", 380. Oh, my he God. Is, he is a shaved ape. That man is gigantic. <laughs> okay? Like, it should That's not be legal terrifying. for someone to be that large. It is terrifying. And he's out there wearing Kyle Long's own number at 75, just standing there looking like a mountain. Oh, my god. You know? He's got him, you know, playing nose tackle at, at some points, and he's like a full head taller than Akeem Hicks. It's like, dude, Akeem Hicks 6'5". How tall is this guy, really? So, you know, but it's just like everybody, anybody that they kind of give to him has this moment. Like Mario Edwards, we signed him at the very last minute, you know, a reject from the Saints, uh, you know, signed him to be our 53rd man on the roster this year. He's been outstanding uh, at times. It's like, you know, Jalen Johnson, our second round pick at corner, been starting from day one, having an outstanding uh, rookie year. Kyle Fuller is still Kyle Fuller. Tayshawn Gibson's been a great addition. And aside from Eddie Jackson being the worst tackler I've seen in 2020, mm. he's still Eddie Jackson. So, yep. um, you know, our defense is top notch. And then you flip it onto the other side, and it's like, uh, outside of Allen Robinson, what what are we talking about here? Because it's just it's just a mess, you know, on that side. And 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 I don't know what it is about our general managers that can't seem to balance a football team they're either they're either really good at putting (laughs) great defenses together phil emery was the was the odd man out who put together a great offense Mm -hmm. and then the defense got old you know and uh, you know he pumped all that money into the offense and you know we had one of the best in the league for two years and then our offense was our defense was 30 and 31st in those two years 
uh, under Trestman. So, I mean, it's just, well, you know, we can't seem to figure it out. T- talking about building a team and, and GMs, um, I know we talked about it in the offseason a little bit, but uh, can can I say the name Jimmy Graham and ask the, the general <laughs> impressions of, of him through 10 games? Well, um, he's pretty much useless outside of the red zone. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, I think he does lead the team in touchdown catches uh, with like five or six, whatever it is uh, at this point. But if you need him on third and nine, somehow a six foot seven, 260 pound tight end is useless uh, on the field. But then again, yep. that's pretty much everybody on the field because Foles or Trubisky doesn't have time to find a guy 10 yards down the field. You know, it's uh, it's been a really shaky proposition with our with our offensive line, even before guys started to get hurt. So, um, you know, it's like we knew that signing Jimmy Graham was a desperate move on the part of uh, of Ryan Pace because, you know, Austin Hooper signed early with the with the Browns and Hayden Hurst got traded to the uh, Falcons uh, and whatnot. So the tight end market was slim. But, uh, you know, dropping, you know, 18 million on Jimmy Graham and giving him a no trade clause is like, oh, boy, what are we doing here? Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, and we barely ever use Cole Komet. So if if he does anything against anybody, every Bear fan on the planet will be floored. So well, Cole Komet know. was like the most obvious Bears draft pick, too. I mean, tight, <laughs> a tight end on a Notre Dame. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Like yeah. I, I feel like that one was telegraphed all, all the way through the the whole off season. But now I, I had to ask just you know to to follow up and 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 see if if your experience was going more or less the same way that uh, that ours did with Graham over the last couple of years. And it sounds like that's, yeah. And that's I don't know honestly. In in his defense, I can't say for sure whether it's a Jimmy Graham problem or a Chicago Bears offense problem. That the only time that we see be able to find a use for Jimmy Graham is in the red zone. Uh, mm-hmm. which is the most obvious use for him. Um, but because, you know, it was like I mentioned Cole Komet, we're going into game number 11 for us uh, on Sunday. Cole Komet doesn't have 10 catches yet. You know, it was like I doubt he has 10 targets, to be completely honest with you. We have not used this kid at all. You know, nice. like it, it's a wonder that Jalen Johnson has been able to make a name for himself or our fifth-round pick, uh, Darna Mooney, who has been like the – you know, bright star out of this class, mm-hmm. you know, something about Ryan Pace and fifth round picks, man. He found another one with uh, with Darnell Mooney. The, the kid's been a dynamo uh, for us, you know, like he is our number two receiver right yep. now. That's how good he's been for us. But he's been a shell of his former self, you know, lately because the offense has struggled so mightily. We have we haven't been able to spread the ball around and give him the opportunities he was getting uh, earlier in the season. I mean, even Allen Robinson is quieted down. I mean, our offense has just been an absolute disaster. So I can't say for 100% certainty that it's a Jimmy Graham problem or a Chicago Bear offense problem just because nobody's really getting used the way that they're supposed to, which is why we were trying to pry, you know, the playbook out of Matt Nagy's cold, dead hands because just like, (laughs) you know, maybe Bill Lazor, I mean, he'll still be calling the same plays, but maybe he'll be able to group the personnel that's supposed to be out there, you know, and because it just seems like that Nagy just thinks that his scheme is so genius. Whoever's on the field will be able to, as long as they execute it, it's going to work. And that has not been the case, especially the last two years. Year number one under Nagy, 2018, offense was much, much better than it is. Still kind of middle of the road statistically, but we were moving the chains, we were scoring points, we were giving our defense leads to work with. 
the last two seasons, it's been an uphill battle for the defense. They're playing 60, 70 snaps a game just to keep us in it, you know, and our offense is struggling to get in field goal range most of the most of the time. And it just seems like, you know, we were hoping that, okay, maybe Lazer's still got to call the same plays, but maybe he'll be the one that it's like, no, on this play we want Anthony Miller and Darnell Mooney and here, or we want Cole Komet and, uh, you know, Jimmy Graham in this situation, and we want, you know, our tight ends to be the featured route runners and blah, 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 or something. Yep. You know, which, which something had to change because literally everything else had. We had made changes on the offensive line. We changed our offensive coordinator. Uh, we brought in a new quarterbacks coach, a, you know, a new passing game coordinator, a brand new O line coach. The only thing that was still the same was Nagy and his play calling, and we're worse than we were last year, which was hard to do, man. <laughs> that was a that was a high bar to cross, to be honest with you. And we are worse off than we were last year. So. Nagy finally given up to play calling, which is like, okay, so this is the last thing to go. There's no other changes to make after this. Yeah. So now we need to find out what the actual problem is and start working on it. Yeah. So it's uh it's been a a, a uh it's been a interesting uh watch the last few weeks to sit there and and you know, struggle along with them <laughs> while while they, you know, putts along. Um it, it's it's been interesting. So yeah. Yeah, like I said, I mean, we feel I feel a little bit of the the same sort of frustration on the other side of the football, and and again, you know, I go back to there's a lot of talent on the Packers defense. Um, Zadarius Smith is still playing really well. Um, Rashawn Gary actually like really looks like a guy who, especially in the last maybe month or so, um, looks like a guy deserving of you know a, a top half of the first round draft pick. Um, it's only a matter of time before he's starting over Preston Smith. And I guarantee a Preston Smith is a cap casualty this off season. So, um, but, but Gary's been good. I mean, Alexander looks like a full, full blown shutdown corner. I mean, there's, there's talent at all levels of this defense, but it's just, it has not been able to put it together. Um, turnovers have been a problem and they, they just haven't forced a ton. Um, so yeah, they're, they're not helping out the offense and, it's it's I guess it'll be the uh, the stoppable force and the immovable object when Chicago has the uh, has the ball. Yeah, I, I guess. I mean, it, we'll, we'll see how that all uh, how that all work out. I mean, it, it literally does start up front uh, for the Bears because the, as that has gone, things have gotten so much worse mm-hmm. uh, for the for the Bears. You know, like we were the first three weeks, we were good. We were actually running the ball. You know, getting four yards a carry, something like that. Dave Montgomery you know, finishing with 70, 80 yards a game in the first few. And then week four, we played Indianapolis. And I don't know if it was just if our confidence died in that game, but Indy beat us up up front. Mm-hmm. You know, they absolutely shut down the run game, which, you know, we probably thought was coming anyway. Um, they've got one of the best, if not the best, run defenses in the league yep. uh, this year. But what was worse is that we couldn't get anything going on offense because Indy was getting home, rushing four and dropping everybody else, so they just sat back in the zone and, and you know gave Nick Foles in his first official start no windows to throw the ball into, and you know DeForest Buckner and, and all those guys were getting home, just rushing you know four on five and they're winning every time, you know, and it was just it's been rough since then. Like we did a little bit better against tampa on thursday but that's when we lost james daniel to the pectoral injury for the season and you know it's kind of been a spiral since then with the offensive 
uh, line. We got another win against Carolina the week after that, and then that it's been it since then. Like we were able to put together a win against Carolina, and it's been four straight losses since then. And the offensive line and their uh, lack of productivity in those last four weeks is a huge, huge reason why. Gotcha. So, um, if if you guys can can uh, you know get get after us early and often, no matter who the quarterback is you'll probably be able to put together a lead that we can't overcome. Yeah. Well, and, and Kenny Clark is is back to his old stuff, too. I mean, he had a hell of a oh, day. Oh, good. Yep. Yeah, I'm sure you're happy to hear that. <laughs> yeah, he had a, He had an honestly, you know, that the Kenny Clark-Quentin Nelson matchup in the indie game this this Sunday was a fun one to watch. And, um, you know, that that was like a, a heavyweight boxing match. You know, you, you get you, you're going rounds with these guys and, and they're trading trading punches and you know you give one round to one guy and the other one but um you know i I think all told i think kenny had probably got the advantage in that game i think you draw at least two holding penalties on nelson um and and he had a couple of big hits on philip rivers so yeah he is uh he is certainly justifying his big contract extension that uh, that he got this past off season and um man like 325 330 pound guys should not move the way kenny clark does He's just so nimble and so quick on his feet, and and it's it's a lot of fun to watch. They don't have a whole lot of outside of that on on the defensive line, um, but you know they also only usually line up two guys on the line anyway. With um, you know with how much Petten likes to use those kind of big nickel and, and dime formations. So um, yeah, Kenny's Kenny's the guy to watch for sure up front. Um, and then, like I said, I think, I think Gary is the other one who could be, you know, he's, he's been slowly, steadily improving this season. And I think he's due for a breakout game sometime in, in the next couple of weeks, um, where, you know, he just busts out for maybe like two or three sacks and, and, and some big impact plays. So selfishly, I'm hoping that happens on Sunday, but, uh, and especially and I would if not there's be surprised if it did. especially if there's issues at right tackle, that's he'll be coming off the the left side of the defense most of the game. So yeah. we'll see what happens there. Well, like I said, uh, you know, Massey's not coming back anytime soon, and you know, Spriggs is our swing tackle. So he was starting, but he had a first it was COVID, and then it was a knee injury that he wasn't ready to come back from, so he didn't play. So we had to reshuffle the offensive line yep. again. And Rashad Coward went from being the league's worst left guard to being the worst right tackle uh, in the in the game uh, on uh, on Monday night against the uh, the Vikings, which was a lot of fun because the Vikings couldn't pass rush through a wet paper bag, and they beat <laughs> Nick Foles half to death uh, in that game. So you know that was fun uh, to 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 sit back and watch that, and um, you know knocked him out of the game in the fourth quarter which put Tyler Bray on the field with 34 mm-hmm. seconds left. And I remember texting my buddy, I was like, you know what? I've watched Bray play a lot in the preseason, and he's got a fantastic arm. But he's in, he's as accurate as a blind man, is what I told him. <laughs> you know, And just as I sent him that text, he threw a pass that was about, I don't know, seven or eight steps ahead of the person he was throwing the football to. I think I like remember that pass. Route. Yeah, I was watching yeah. late in that game. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. And then the on, on fourth down, he throws the ball like five yards deeper down the field on a sideline route to Cole Komet. Like Cole Komet standing at the 30, the ball's going to the 35. Yeah. 
You know, it's like it's just like what the hell's going on oh, here? Man. And it's like, and in, obviously, in Tyler Bray's defense, he was not planning on playing. He's our third string quarterback. He was, you know, probably took like ten snaps all week long, and he's got to come in and try to win us the football game. Yeah. So we're asking a lot, but he showed exactly what I remember seeing from Tyler Bray <laughs> in the preseason is that he could out throw, you know, uh, Tyreek Hill on a deep ball. Man, the guy's got a gun, but. You know, putting it where it needs to be, like accurately putting it in his hands. No, yeah. that's not that's not how Tyler Bray. That's not what Tyler Bray does. So, yeah, if we're, if we're looking at him starting, if neither Mitch or Nick are ready to go on Sunday, so we will just start looking forward to the Detroit game next week. <laughs> uh, and you know, like we'll just cancel this one. We'll we'll write this one off. As uh, yeah, but. Um, the Bears Talk Underground is brought to you by our friends at Bet Online. Bet Online knows you might not be able to get out to a game this year, but you can still get in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on everything imaginable this season, from game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props. Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. Head on over to Bet Online today and use promo code Armchair. To take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Support for the Bearstalk Underground also comes from Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision, precision engineered tools for your family jewels. Jingle balls to the walls, fellas. Listen up. Undrimmed pubes are a thing of the past. It's time to gear up and get yourself the gift of shaving this holiday season. And I'm talking, of course, about the Manscaped Perfect Package 3.0. Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. Their lawnmower 3.0 has proprietary advanced skin-safe technology, so this trimmer cuts on your nuts. It's also waterproof, so you can use it in the shower. The lawnmower 3.0 comes inside their brand new Perfect Package 3.0, which makes for the perfect gift this holiday season. It's literally everything you need to keep trimmed, cut free, and smelling nice down there. And don't use the same trimmer on your face as using on your balls. That's just nasty. The Manscaped Perfect Package 3.0 also includes the Crop Preserver, an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. You already put this deodorant on your armpits, so why aren't you putting it on the smelliest part of your body? And yes, your balls do stink. Speaking of sweaty, stinky balls, I am thankful for their Crop Reviver. This product, along with the Crop Preserver, keep your balls from sweating, smelling, and sticking. And... <laughs> Boy, they really paint a really great picture of what's going on down there, don't they? And these products smell good. Their manly scent is attractive and will help set the mood, if you know what I mean. The perfect package will also come with a pair of Manscaped boxers that'll keep your junk feeling fresh all day long. It's time to upgrade those uh, overused pair of boxers in Manscaped high-performance anti-chafing boxers. Tis the season to Manscaped to get yourself, your dad, your brother, your friends, the best gift of all, the Manscaped Perfect Package 3.0. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code armchair at manscaped.com. Once again, get 20% off and free shipping with the code armchair at manscaped.com. Clean up your nuts and make Santa proud this year. Your balls will thank you. And with that, let's get back to the show. <laughs> 
I don't know, man. I, it, the, the, what scares me about this game as far as like it going the way that I think it will is that even though we're in a desperate spot, we're not playing with any desperation yeah. whatsoever. We're not going out there and taking some chances, uh, you know, doing anything, uh, trick plays, uh, anything. We're not, you know, do, doing anything out there. Pagano is terrified to blitz because he doesn't want to give up a big play because our offense can't score points. Right. So if he, you know, calls an all-out blitz and we get burned, that's seven points that our offense can't put on the board. You know, and it's just so. So he's been very kind of conservative as far as taking risks and sending DBs and safeties or letting, you know, uh, Roquan, who's a very good blitzer, yep. let him shoot the gaps from time to time. You don't see that very much uh, at all, which speaks to why our sack totals uh, are down. We just can't trust the offense to take big chances on defense. And then, you know, the def- that's like you mentioned that your defense is having trouble with turnovers. That's literally the one thing our defense isn't doing is getting the takeaways to give the ball back uh, to our offense. You know, it's like outside of doing that and scoring the goddamn points themselves, they're literally doing everything else. You know, yeah. they're, they're getting the three and outs. They're getting the football back to the offense, but the offense is going th- – let me Monday night, third quarter, three drives, n- nine plays, negative five yards. That was our third quarter. After Cordero Patterson set the world on fire yep. with that kickoff return to start the half, three drives, nine plays, negative five yards. So, yeah. Well, you, right there. You, you mentioned Patterson, though. That's I think that's an area where you could get one of those momentum flippers against Green Bay because, yet again, the Packers have terrible special teams somehow. Oh, okay. Um, it, it I, I I don't know how it happens every year. They've had diff, you know three or four different coordinators over the last decade, and it just doesn't get any better. But I mean that was half the reason why Jacksonville was still in the game two weeks ago is they got like a ninety yard punt return punt return touchdown. Um, where mm-hmm. at one point there were five Packers lined up along the right along the same hash within about maybe ten yards of each other, just all filling the same alley and leaving you know one giant lane up the up the numbers. So, so that was cool. So I am 100% terrified that Cordero Patterson is going to return a kickoff for a touchdown. I just hope that uh, the Crosby can boot it out the back of the end zone every time because that's about the only, the only way I feel comfortable with. Uh, yeah, because with, with anything, if you give it to him in the end zone, he's oh yeah, it out. exactly. Like I'm, and and he absolutely should against <laughs> against the Packers special teams. Um, and then you know we'll probably have some dumb play on a uh on a return as well especially if if tyler irvin can't play because um like i said backup return guy darius shepherd fumbles a kickoff return right you know in the beginning of the fourth quarter and and lets the right. colts take the lead so um yeah it's been that's been a frustrating uh unit of of the football as well that that we've dealt with and and yeah seeing patterson lined up deep just is is nightmare fuel inducing for <laughs> for Packers fans. <laughs> How you guys been with penalties this year? Because, of course, you know the Bears are leading the league. Yeah. Um, I I feel I, – I, I don't have numbers, but I feel like the Packers are kind of middle of the pack-ish. Um, they've been getting a few more holding penalties than usual on offense, I feel like. Um, so I'm sure fans of other NFC North teams are, are not sorry to hear that. Um, no. But – um, 
I think that's probably the, the biggest area where where there's an issue. It's that, and then for some reason, our edge rushers love to line up in the neutral, neutral zone. They got like two or three offsides or neutral zone infraction calls um, against Indy. Um, so those are kind yeah, of a couple of areas. Um, They've actually been good on special on special teams, at least in avoiding penalties on on re, in the mm. return game, which is you know that's that's half the battle as as far as I'm concerned on returns. If you're not going to take one of the house, at least just don't do something stupid and back yourself up further. So that's at least encouraging. But um, yeah, at least they're not they're not killing themselves uh, from from that perspective. Um, and and really, the turnover battle hasn't been a problem until these last two weeks. Um, you know, they've only got nine turnovers on offense the whole year, but then again, six of them came in the last two games. They had two against Jacksonville and and four in the game against Indy this last week. Um, wow. And just weird ones too. Many. Yeah, there was yeah. so there was there was the fumble and the kickoff return. Valdez Scantling had the one in, in overtime. Um, Rogers threw a bad pick on a what should have been a, a cover two beater up the sideline that he just kind of short armed and left it short and, and guy jumped the route. And then there was a fumbled uh, fumbled snap on the very first drive of the game. So, um, but yeah, of those of those nine turnovers, you know, six of them have come in these last two games. Um, and they have not, I think, I think of their, I think eight have come in the three games that they've lost. So if the Packers hold on to the ball and they don't give up short fields and extra possessions to the other team, they generally win and win pretty comfortably, even if the defense doesn't, um, you know, doesn't force turnovers themselves, which they also haven't been doing a whole lot, uh, this season either. Yeah, it's it's been, you know, the, like the last few weeks, uh, you know, going into these games because we don't know what to expect from the offense except disaster. So it, it's it stopped becoming like when I do my preview uh, episodes, it, it stopped being about X's and O's for me. Mm-hmm. It was all about let's minimize the mistakes. Let's cut down on the penalties. Let's cut down on the mental errors. Like why is Allen Robinson running a three yard route on third and five and running out of bounds after four? You know, that happened in the Tennessee game. On our opening drive, we're moving the football. It's third and five. We hit Allen Robinson on a three yard route. He runs out of bounds a yard short of the sticks. It's like all right. I I I can't believe I just watched that happen, but it did. And then of course we try to run the ball on on fourth and one. Uh, Jermaine Afidi uh, forgets that you have to actually look at your defender if you want to block him, and just goes in with his head down in the ground, gets olayed by the defender. Who Evan? I swear to God, started on his left shoulder, ran across his face to his right shoulder, and slowed down David Montgomery to get tackled <laughs> in the backfield. Afidi didn't lay a finger on him. Yikes. He went all the way across his face, and he didn't touch him. You know, as, as a, and and I, my my listeners have heard me say this phrase a million times. As a former offensive lineman myself, that makes me insane to see things like that. You know, because that is yep. just fundamental, right there. You yep. know, you you move nice. your feet, keep your head up, so you can see what you're blocking. Get your hands on the inside, the whole nine yards. Jermaine Afidi did none of that, and he's a five year pro man i mean mm-hmm. come on so and it was just fourth and one he gets smoked across his face doesn't lay a finger on the guy <laughs> and the guy doesn't make the tackle but he slows david montgomery up so that his help can arrive and stop him short uh of of the line to gain so i mean it's just it's things like that you know why are we running six yard routes on third and eight why are we not running right. past the sticks 
You know, it's like I know that we have issues with our offensive line, but how long does it take you to run six goddamn yards? <laughs> you know, you can run the forty-yard dash in four seconds. You can't run six yards in less than three. Come on. So, you know, it's it's things like that, and like those have been my two big keys: minimize the mistakes, maximize play, you know, playmaking opportunities. If we get somebody wide open, we need to hit him. You know, that kind of thing. If yeah. uh, they were like, we should have beaten the Saints. Uh, when they came to Chicago a few weeks ago, Drew Brees served up two interceptions for us in the overtime period alone. Both of them went through our hands and landed innocently on the ground. One to Eddie Jackson, one to Roquan Smith. Both should have been pick sixes to win the game for us. We let those uh, get away. Alvin Kamara fumbles the football at one point. Yeah. He beats everybody back to the ball. You know, he gets the recovery himself. We don't. You know, get it from him. Those are the kinds of things that we need to take advantage of to have them go our way. And that's basically what you've been telling me here is like if we can force Green Bay to make some mistakes and minimize our own, we got a decent shot uh, in this game. If if we if we're able to play the Packers straight up and making about you know beating the guy in front of you, we might be okay. If if we can get you know some some of these mistakes, we can force some mistakes here and minimize what we've been doing then we, we've got a chance. But the Bears just haven't been doing that. So you've got Mr. Cup half empty over here yeah. uh, expecting us to lose 55 to nothing uh, on Sunday or not being surprised if it happens, to be honest. With you. Obviously, I want us to win. I know that we're better than what we've been doing, what we've been putting on the field, and we just, we just need something to, uh, to come together. I, and I honestly, Evan, I really thought – that Cordell Patterson kickoff was the moment yeah. that was going to turn this thing around. Because if you go back and you watch that play, the sideline was beside itself. He's running down the sidelines to score that touchdown. You know, you got grown men the size of gigantics, you know, the, the, the giant men standing on the sideline, skipping back and forth <laughs> with joy, you know, and all that kind of stuff over a kickoff return. These guys were just absolutely bananas with – uh, excitement and, and everything and just thought it was like, okay, there's the spark. That's what's going to ignite this thing. Yep. The defense comes out, shuts Minnesota down. We force a punt. Dwayne Harris muffs the punt. Minnesota recovers. Momentum dead. Yeah. That was it. It, w- it was over just as quickly uh, as it started. I mean, and it, it shouldn't be that easy to kill a team's momentum, but unfortunately for us, it is, yep. or at, at the very least, it was on Monday, and that's the quagmire that is the Bears this year. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, you're you're, uh, you're talking about momentum swings again, and and you know that yeah. makes me think yeah, again yeah. of of kind of how the Packers have been this year, but um, you know, and and maximizing opportunities on defense and turnovers and things. I can't tell you how many times you know a, a Packers like a lineman or somebody has gotten a finger on the football, um, the pass flutters you know, 10 yards in the air and falls somehow harmlessly to the turf uh, in the middle of three Packers. Like, I swear, it looked yeah. like it looks like the um, the clip from Major League when they're in the uh, the the early montage when when they're terrible yeah, yeah. and that one little pop fly falls in between the three guys and they all just fall down like that. That's how it feels every time there's a ball that, that gets tipped or flutters up in the air. Um, it's just, it's maddening, um, that, that somehow they never, you know, have, I, I swear, I think there's five or six of those plays that I can think of, um, this season alone that, that should have been picked. So yeah, it's that, that, that's what I'm looking for from this, this Packers defense is 
regard honestly, regardless of which quarterback is out there for Chicago, they need to be able to get the pass rush going, get to him, and you know force some some mistakes um, and and take the ball away a couple times because. From what you're describing about the offensive line situation, um, the pass rush should be, you know, should be very effective this weekend, um, and yeah. and that should, you know, should lead to good things. And um, if I don't see, you know, a, a, a turnover to uh, going Green Bay's way, um, that that I think is going to be really kind of disappointing at this point um, for for that unit as a whole. And, and the frustrating uh, thing about that with the pass rush and and how you know you guys will have more than a few opportunities to get a shot at the quarterback regardless of who it is, and that's where it comes down to coaching for us, because um, where we, we that's why it, it kind of became an issue as far as play calling uh, and and setting ourselves up in a position to succeed. You know, Nagy isn't thinking about like, well, this offensive line that is shortchanged and struggling. Maybe we should stick to the short passing game, and you know, three steps drops. The you know, the ball gets out quick, and you know, move the chains. Let's dink and dunk, and you know, all that kind of stuff. Let's to help our to help move. You know, the move the football. No, instead we're still doing five, seven step drops, trying to get guys downfield on these dig routes and uh, and things like that. And you know, we don't have the time to do it. Yep. You know, we just simply do not have the time. So we're either forcing throws or getting rid of the ball early. Darnell Mooney, that rookie that we talked mm-hmm. about, that wide receiver from Tulane, is a lightning bolt with a helmet on. And uh, in a play uh, against the Rams, uh, which was a disaster of a game uh, for the Bears, um, Nick Foles, like, he, he knows he's going to Mooney on this play. He's, he's the number one option on this play Mooney puts a move on Jalen Ramsey that makes Jalen Ramsey look the opposite of Jalen Ramsey <laughs> okay he absolutely shook him in in his spot he bit on on uh, on Mooney's fake and was absolutely wide open what should have been a 90 yard touchdown pass but instead we thought it was a good idea to go one-on-one with Rashad Coward and Aaron Donald <laughs> at the left guard position you know uh... he's, you know he he smoked. I, I, I can he see smoked how this Rashad Coward ends. like a brisket. Yeah. yeah, he smoked Rashad Coward like a Texas brisket man. And Foles heaved it out there like I, he knew all along he was going to Mooney on this play. So he threw it out there, but he had to get rid of it so quick that he put a little bit too much on it. And you know, Darnell Mooney had had Ramsey beat by at least ten yards, but like Ramsey wasn't even going to try to run after him. You know, if if he was able to take a second. And really put that out there, it would have been a huge play for the Bears. But it's like every time that we that we seemingly have something together, we've set up somebody to you know it was, somebody's in the wrong spot, somebody makes some kind of mental error or anything like that. So it's like I don't know if the, if the offense is too complicated because I don't think we have an offense full of idiots out there that just can't figure this scheme out. But it's like how many times are we seeing two guys running a route into the same area, mm-hmm. uh, kind of thing, or how many times are we one on one? we could really use the tight end to chip or the running back to come in and give him a shoulder on the way out to to his route. None of that is happening. The offensive linemen are out there naked. You're not going to see max protection uh, to make sure that Foles has time to throw the football or Mitch or whoever it is. It's going to be five on whoever the hell Green Bay is sending, whether it's two guys, three guys, four guys, five or six. The same five guys will be the only ones blocking out there. And, 
you know, it's up to Foles to get rid of the ball and, and find somebody. It's up to the receiver to run the right route and execute the offense. And that's just where, you know, we're not setting ourselves up uh, to succeed because Nagy believes more in his scheme than he does in the people running him. Like he just doesn't it doesn't it doesn't seem to matter who's out there. We're running this play regardless, and that's going to happen. So and with that, that speaks to the results that we've been getting. It's just not working. So, yeah, it, it reminds me a little bit of the end of the McCarthy era where he was so convinced that, um, well, just just go out and beat your guy one on one. Why can't my receivers just win these one on one battles? And and he refused to adapt and scheme receivers open. And you're seeing now, you know, now that guys have bought into Lafleur's system where he's running so much more play action and, and so much, you know, running a lot of mesh concepts and things and and a lot of the the same kind of stuff from the Shanahan tree that uh, that you see in San Francisco and, and with the Rams and things. Um, you know, he's getting these guys open that um, – you know, every one of the Packers receivers, except for Devontae Adams, has some level of limitations, right? Adams is um, the only thing that, you know, the only knock on him is that he's not a pure burner from a speed perspective, but he's the best route runner in the NFL, so he gets open no matter what. But, um, yeah. you know, Alan Lazard is a, is a big dude, but he's not particularly fast. He's not necessarily, I wouldn't even call him a shifty guy, Um but he just kind of has the, a little bit of that knack, too, for, for getting open. He's got a real big frame and a big catch radius. Um, you've got Valdez Scantling, who's got tremendous deep speed, but it seems like, you know, nines are about all he can run, um, you know, or you get him open on a, you know, a play-action shot play. Um, but but Lafleur is finding ways to scheme these guys open and using the route combinations in the play-action, and you're seeing that effect now in the second year with Rogers really embracing the scheme and, and embracing um, what he's seeing and how he's running it, that, you know, that's where these results are coming from. Um, and I, I, you know, it, it's, it's something you saw in San, San Francisco last year. You know, if you can run this offense with Jimmy Garoppolo and gosh, I don't even know. I mean, who was their number one receiver last year in, in, in San Francisco, right? Um, I guess Debo or one of these guys. If you can run that that offense with with those guys and and George Kittle, I guess probably is your number one yeah, guy. I was gonna say Kittle. Um, you know, you can run that with with Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. And if you're turning Aaron Rodgers yeah. into a game manager type quarterback, but he can still when when the situation calls for it, go out and and play Aaron Rodgers hero ball. That's scary for for most defenses and it should be and you know i think that's part of why you know he's he's seeming to have this resurgence this year um and it's it's been it's been really nice to see after um you know the last couple years in the mccarthy era where he just looked disengaged and not interested and like he just didn't believe in um you know in the structure of the offense so it's nice to see that and you know who knows how much longer we'll get it in green bay with you know, with a first round quarterback, but, um, yeah, that's a, that's a whole nother pick. Well spent. That's that's a whole nother thing, man. This, this draft class has basically given the Packers next to nothing. I mean, the, the best player from this draft class, it's down to either a fifth round linebacker in Kamal Martin, who's played like four games or, 
sixth round offensive lineman John Runyon who's come in in spot duty in like four or five games too. Like those are those are your probably best rookie draft picks on this team this year. Um, Love hasn't been active for a single game. He's the third stringer behind Rodgers and Tim Boyle. A.J. Dillon has maybe carried the ball 15, 20 times, maybe. Um, but, you know, even with that, like, and, and he's been on the COVID list for the last three or four weeks, so he hasn't played in the last month. Um, Third-round pick, Josiah DeGuara, who was supposed to be the next Kyle Juszczyk, um, yeah, he played one game, messed up his ankle a little bit, missed two, and then when he finally came back in game four, he tore his ACL. So he's done. Um, it's this this improvement, and I, I you know I said it before, and I can't emphasize it enough. There has been no no personnel additions of any consequence from last year to this year. It is entirely um, the the development from within. So that's, I think it speaks to the second year in LaFleur um, with him running the offense and, um, you know, just kind of tailoring this to, to Rodgers. And again, letting him be a game manager type of quarterback, um, that's, that's a phenomenal scenario because you can still, every once in a while, unleash him to do Aaron Rodgers things. Um, and and yeah. combining those, those two is, you know, has, has provided some pretty nice results. Uh, for much of this season, so we'll we'll see what happens over the last six weeks. Where do you see it going for the for the Packers this year? I mean, the NFC is you know kind of wide open, yeah, uh, this year because we thought that we thought that Seattle was the class uh, of the conference, and they start five and zero, and then they lost three out of four or something uh, like that. I mean, they're still in first place out there in the NFC West, but you know they're they're kind of hanging on at this point. Arizona's been resurgent. Uh, this year, the Saints, um, you know, are actually a game better than you guys now, but you beat them in uh, New yep. Orleans uh, and everything. Uh, you know, Tampa Bay, you guys lost to them, but they've they're six and four uh, right now. The NFC East, <laughs> <laughs> the NFC East. Okay, whatever. You know, and it's just you know, it's really kind of wide open. I mean, yep. as far as the power rankings are concerned. The Packers look like the class of the NFC, but, you know, the way that you've been, you know, talking about the, the flaws of the team, it really just seems like the NFC East is there for any or excuse me, just the NFC period yep. is there's is anybody's for the taking this year. Yeah, I mean, the schedule sets up, I think, pretty well for Green Bay. I mean, they should be favored in every yeah, game does. down the stretch. Um, I think they only play one team that's above 500 right now, and that's Tennessee. Um, I think that's yep. at home the second to last week of the season. And um, I think there's reasons to think that that's, that's a winnable game too. So, yeah, I mean, this sitting at 7-3, you could be looking at a team that goes 13-3 and three again. And if that's the case, um, this is a better team than it was last year. Certainly the offense is better. Um, but, yeah, these, these are the, – the, the top seed in the NFC is every bit within their grasp if they – you know, can can find a little bit of answers and be a little bit more consistent on defense. Um, you know, avoid some of the the little meltdowns that just turn into full blown explosions. You know, when it comes to to losing momentum in games, um, I think every team in the NFC is flawed. I don't think there's any you know anybody yeah. that you know matches up really with the probably with the chiefs i think they're they're pretty much the class of the nfl right now um 
but but every other team has some serious flaws. I mean, New Orleans, who knows if, if Breeze is ever going to play football again at all, let alone if he's going to play again this year. So I, right. I fully expect them to to lose another game or two. And at that point, that puts you know the Packers right back in the thick of things. I think, honestly, I think the the best, you know, most complete other team in the NFC might be the Rams. Um, just with with the mm, fact yeah. their their defense is real solid. Um, I think Goff had a pretty good game. They got a pretty good receiving core. So um, that would be a real interesting one, though, to see kind of a McVeigh Lafleur matchup in in the postseason. Um, guys who kind of came out of that same coaching tree, and and guys who take very different approaches because McVeigh generally, when he's you know in his game situation. Um, decision making is very conservative, but Lafleur has been pretty aggressive, especially on you know when to go for fourth downs and um, you know when to embrace certain um, you know certain kind of numbers based decision making. Whereas you know McVeigh is much more conservative and, and old school with his approach. So that'd be kind of fun um, to to watch the cat and mouse between those guys who came up through the same the same type of system. Hopefully, it would be a lot more fun than watching. You know Lafleur's team go and play Kyle Shanahan's team in the playoffs last year because that was not fun. <laughs> well, at least you uh, you got a chance to beat him up on that Thursday night game. That was fun. That that felt good. Yeah, that felt real good. And you know some of that was was they had a bunch of guys out. I mean the the whole basically the whole Forty Nine ers starting lineup basically is is injured at this point, and they had a couple of, a couple yeah. of additional guys out. I think on the COVID list that week. So. That certainly didn't help, but um, I didn't think that was going to matter much. I mean, Green Bay took took control of that game early on, um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's it's been weird how this schedule has worked out, right? Because you figured that there were going to be um, the the middle part of the schedule, which you know has been been challenging. You know, I think we expected it to be tougher than it was because you figured Houston was going to be better. You figured San Francisco was still going to be really good. Um, so yeah. that, I mean, that four-game stretch with at Tampa, at Houston, home against Minnesota, at San Francisco. Um, you know, you're you're come out of that thinking, all right, I'm, we're going two and two. You know, if you said that before the season, we're probably feeling ecstatic. But you know, the way some of those teams have played this season, especially Minnesota. Um, you know, you feel like that's a, a real big opportunity lost to to win that that game, and uh, and end up going two and two through that stretch. So, hopefully, you know, again, there's a there's a six week stretch here down the down the end of the season that um, you know has a bunch of winnable games for Green Bay. Um, from their perspective, certainly, hopefully, they can can. It'd be great if they could run the table and find a way to get to thirteen and three. And I think that I definitely think that gets the one seed in the NFC. Um, I don't see sure. I don't see yeah, yeah. New Orleans winning out ahead of them. Um, you know I think the NFC West is just going to beat up on itself between those top three teams out there. Um, I think everybody's going to end up with four losses. You know in, in the West. So um, and and this year getting the one seed is so much bigger because that's the only the only team that gets the buy. So that's a whole other yeah. layer to this, right? That um, that you have to kind of consider as well. So. Well, Evan, if if you have any influence whatsoever with the team, get easy on us uh, <laughs> on Sunday. They probably don't need to do much uh, to win the game uh, on Sunday night. So you know, you put with our offense, you put seventeen points on the board, you're golden. <laughs> um, you know, our defense will still look like they did their job, and the offense will, you know, will take the blame as as they most likely should uh, anyway. So if you got any pull, 
You know, you got Matt LaFleur on speed dial. Give him a call. Tell him to uh, take his foot off the gas and just put it in cruise control. <laughs> and that should be enough uh, to get him a win uh, on Sunday. I- I'd appreciate it because it's like after this, you know, we've got Detroit. We've got Houston. We've got Jacksonville. we got another game with Minnesota before we close out the year uh, with you. So it's like... Once we get past this game, then we can start talking about realistically winning football games again and, you know, trying to make a run at this thing and, and putting an end to this losing streak uh, and everything. It's like, I know that we probably can win. Like, can the Bears win this game? Yes, I believe they can. Will they win? <sighs> no, no, they will not win the game. I, I don't think so. Um, I, I just, uh, I, I don't think, I don't see anything pointing towards that unless. We get a repeat of the indie game where they turn the ball over four times. Special teams puts a touchdown on the board. You know, maybe defense contributes, uh, you know, some points here or there. Outside of anything like that happening, I don't see us realistically being able to to hang with you guys, no matter how many points you score. Whether we only let you score seventeen, or God forbid, you put up more than more than thirty. You know, whatever you guys score would would generally be enough with the way our offense is playing. So. Yep. You know, I I I don't know uh I don't know how Sunday's going to turn out. I'm I'm expecting the worst, but hoping for the best. Yeah, I think with again coming off that Colts game, I, I do think that uh you know the Packers came out of that I think actually encouraged by the result, even though the um or maybe but maybe more by the process than the result. Um, you know, both Rodgers and LaFleur actually sounded pretty upbeat even though they lost that game the way they did. Um, and I think it's because they, you know, the, the, the offense played well in the first half and, you know, they were still right in it, even with, you know, committing a bunch, having a bunch of fluky turnovers. So I do think they'll, uh, they'll be, you know, feeling pretty good. Um, but certainly not, not overconfident coming in. And, um, I do expect, a um, a, a focused and, and pretty motivated Packers team on Sunday. All right, so where can we uh, where can we keep up with you outside of uh, following you? Like, where can we follow you on Twitter? Where can we find you elsewhere? Yeah, you can find my uh, my personal Twitter. It's at Tex Western. Um, you can catch us on the blog at Acme Packing Co. or acmepackingcompany.com. dot um, We just did our annual Thanksgiving meal draft with a bunch of our. Uh, a bunch of our contributors so that'll be getting posted on wednesday so uh if you want to see what our our various um spreads would look like in a fantasy draft style um <laughs> selection format uh we had seven of us this year who uh who pitched in and uh had a good time doing that today so that's been kind of one of the highlights of my uh uh, my year the last couple of years and that uh, end up for we you? had a lot of fun with that so um i feel pretty good about it i got um all the turkey was gone so we, we the way the format was you had to finish with a main dish a side a dessert and a beverage and i'm a big i'm a big bourbon guy so i started i started off um i guess i started off in second round i got uh um i just took the entire category of whiskey so I, I'm, I'm covered from, you know, start off with a, a nice smooth bourbon to, to start. Give me a spicy rye during dinner and then a, a nice scotch um, for dessert. And, and I'm a happy camper. But um, no, um, damn it. What did I end up with with my side? I'm, I'm blanking right now. Um, oh, no, of course. Uh, I, I, I took stuffing for my, my side. I ended up with uh, with duck as my my main dish. Mm. 
as all the turkey and the ham was all gone. Right. Um, and then finished off with a good uh, apple crisp. So oh, I had okay. to get a little fruit vegetable on there somewhere for the dessert. Not bad. Um, so I'm I'm pretty pretty content with my uh, with my selections there. But um, yeah, we'll have that up on the site. So feel free to drop in and uh, if anybody has any takes they want to fire off about our selections, please do. Interesting. That's interesting. All right, man. Well, uh, it's uh, good as always to talk to you, uh, Evan. We get to do it again the the last week of the uh, season, where uh, yep. you know we get to play against your uh, your JV squad as you guys get ready for the playoffs and the Bears get ready to start a new regime. This we don't year, have to don't play know. the Lions in Week 17 Correct. this year. It's yeah. it's fantastic. You don't get the Vikings. It's it's oh, it's been such a a pain in the ass the last couple of years to have to always see Detroit in, in the last week of this well, season. Well, for you guys, it was it was different than it was for the Bears and the Vikings because every single one of those games was in Minnesota. You know, yeah. at least with you and the Lions, it rotated rotated between Lambeau uh, and Ford Field. For the Bears yeah, and the Vikings, yeah. yeah, you guys went back and forth a couple of times. It was always in Minnesota. And the funny thing is, yeah. We don't play Minnesota Week 17 this year. We play in Week 15 as the finale to the series. But the Minnesota Vikings play the last two games on the road, so it's their last home game of the year for about the fifth uh-huh. or sixth year in a row. It's Chicago and Minnesota to close out the home schedule. Oh, so gosh. the NFL found a way to do it without putting us Week 17. They still managed to make it the last Minnesota home game uh, of the year. So uh, we haven't broken the streak just yet. So... There you go. There you go. But uh, yeah, well, so we'll, go ahead. We'll cross our fingers then for a uh, maybe a, a Bears Vikings game at uh, at Soldier Field in, at some point here. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. But Evan, there thanks so much. And uh, like I said, we'll talk to you again uh, towards the end of the year. We play January third. Oh, we 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 actually crossing over to the New Year this year. <laughs> I didn't realize that. Wow. Um, so I guess maybe we'll be talking around New Year's Eve. Uh, or something like that uh, this year to get ready for the the last dance of 2020. So uh, I'll make sure to I'll make sure to call in before uh, I have too many adult beverages at that point. <laughs> that would be interesting uh, just to <laughs> just to have the interview go off the rails because you had a you had a few too many and you're wearing panties on your head or something like that and <laughs> trying to tell me why Valdez Scantley's going to smoke us on Sunday or and you keep getting his name wrong and stuff like that. So. But, uh, Evan, always a good time talking to you, man. We'll talk to you again. Uh, Happy holidays, and uh, stay safe out there. My pleasure. Same to you, man. Stay safe, and go Petco. So there you have it, guys. Do you feel any better about Sunday night's game than you did before it? Uh, I mean, I, I think we found some openings that we might be able to exploit. He talked about special teams, talked about how when the Packers lose, that's when they usually kind of have an issue uh, with turnovers. So maybe if we can if we can start getting that takeaway thing going uh, with the defense, because it's really like the one thing that they've been so inconsistent with this year, you know, missing opportunities to pick off passes and, you know, fumbles that lay on the ground while our opponents innocently fall on top of them and, and things like that. Uh, you know, maybe if we can get uh, old Aaron to serve one up for us and uh, then maybe we can put some free points uh, on the board and kind of take maybe a little bit of the pressure off of the 
offense. Maybe that's what we need to do. I mean, maybe the offense will respond to not being, uh, you know, not having the pressure of, of having to do that. Like we got a touchdown on on defense. Cordell Patterson ran one back, or our, our new punt returner, whoever that is, or if it's still going to be Anthony uh, Miller. Uh, you know, put some put some other points on the board. Get a couple of field goals out of Cairo Santos. Hey, it's a twenty point night. That should be enough for the defense to get us a win. So uh, maybe you know, see if we can pace together uh, a win and 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 get out of Lambo uh, with a victory that uh, nobody expected us to have, especially at this point uh, in the year. So I mean, there, there's there's opportunities there. It's it's all up to the Bears to show up on Sunday, uh, which they haven't yet done uh, after a bye yet uh, under Matt Nagy. And to, uh, you know, to do their best to keep the Packers playing their game instead of us playing the Packers game. And I think we'll be uh, we'll be okay. So, like I said, right now I'm still gloom and doom just because I'm so down on this team (laughs) right now. I love them so much and I want them to play better so badly I can't even put it into complete sentences. You hear me start a sentence, then I kind of bail on it and try to start another one. Can't finish that and so on and so forth. You guys have been listening to the show. You know what it's been like for me. So, uh, you know, I I want so badly to see this team improve and for the offense to even meet the defense halfway. They don't have to get to the defense's level. That's just not going to happen. But if they could get halfway there and be a mediocre offense, we'll be in such better shape uh, than we're in uh, right now. So maybe that's what we've been doing the last two weeks. And, you know, taking a much-needed break, healing up some injuries, getting ready to go, refocusing, self-scouting, finding out where we've been going wrong, and getting the job done. So hopefully that's what we see in this team uh, on Sunday. We'll talk a lot more about it tomorrow on the Deep Dive Preview. We'll talk uh, keys to the game and see if I can't get a little bit more creative than to minimize mistakes and maximize opportunities. (laughs) We'll see if if I can get that going uh, for you guys, put a little more thought into the into the show uh you know and maybe i'll do that once i find out who's playing who's healthy who's practicing uh and so on so uh, come back on friday enjoy the rest of your thanksgiving stay safe and uh god bless you we'll talk to you all uh tomorrow on the deep dive preview and until then my name is larry d and this has been the bears talk underground This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs) Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash match. Just go to indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. 
Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate.